You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello, and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today, the topic of this podcast is the path to self-love, which is the name of my new book. It is in its pre-launch stage right now and will be launching on June 9th. If you would like to find out how you can get a free review copy, hang out with me until the end and I will let you know. In celebrating the upcoming launch of my book, we're talking about self-love today. And the big question I get from so many people who find themselves alone on the path is what about loneliness? We all get lonely. Loneliness is a part of life. We can be desperately lonely in a relationship or even in a family or a community because we may not feel that we're connecting with the people in our lives in any kind of meaningful way. Loneliness isn't just about being alone. It's about feeling disconnected. And what I've found is that loneliness is a state of being and it's temporary. I don't suggest we find a cure for loneliness, but rather that we learn to really sit with it and write it out. The more we can intentionally sit with our loneliness, the more we have the opportunity to find that deeper connection within ourselves. Sometimes the greatest loneliness we experience is to feel disconnected from the spirit within. So when we can drop into a deeper meditative state and be present with the presence, the spirit of our being moves in and takes up that empty space. And it's here that we can feel fulfilled. Being out in nature is another way to feel connected to something larger than our small selves. Our small self is the little I or ego. It's based on survival. Our ego self is concerned with how we are perceived, our material possessions, our jobs, our money, our physical appearance, and so on. We develop a belief early on that these things are necessary for our survival. So we become really attached to our material possessions and our status. We often pursue those outside things in order to distract us from what we're really feeling on the inside. We might pursue another relationship, more money, take another vacation, buy another car, go shopping, eat more food, drink more alcohol, smoke another joint, or spend mindless hours on the internet in order to take the focus off what is really going on on the inside. I believe the path to self-love is a commitment to taking that journey inside of ourselves to see what's going on there. We make the decision to remove those distractions and get to the core, get to those core wounds, core beliefs, and the pain that we don't want to feel. It's possible to heal from that pain, but we need to find the courage within to feel it first. 
In order to truly find that love for ourselves and see ourselves as someone worth loving, we need to find the wounded parts of ourselves and offer love to those parts. We wouldn't enter into abusive relationships if we truly knew how to love ourselves. Because the abusers in our lives use our own weaknesses and insecurities against us. When we have a core belief that we're not enough, are not lovable, and don't have value as a human being, those insecurities are played upon. Our abusers have radar for our weaknesses and insecurities because they have the same type of weaknesses. But typically, abusers externalize their weaknesses and project them onto their targets where those being abused tend to internalize our weaknesses and take on the projections of others. This is the primary difference. Another thing that is important to understand is that you can be part of a victim-perpetrator cycle where you may feel that you're the victim in one situation, but are unconsciously offloading the pain of your abuse onto another person or group of people. If you think about it, most abusers were abused as children. The pain of that abuse is internalized and then it's often taken out on others. This is all the more reason to heal any abuse patterns that you've been carrying. When we take responsibility for our pain and trauma of the past, the buck stops here. We stop perpetuating family violence. This is common with families where there's alcohol or drug abuse, sexual abuse, mental illness, narcissism, or violence. When an adult enters a recovery program to heal the wounds within themselves, resulting from the family lineage, they stop the cycle. They don't repeat it with their mate or children, or if they initially do begin to repeat the cycle, but then they get into recovery, they stop the pattern. And when someone stops the pattern, healing can begin to happen in the whole system. It's easy to feel victimized when you realize that you have to put a ton of work, of really hard work, in to heal from abuse that happened in early childhood. It wasn't your fault. You were innocent. Yet you have to do all this hard work to heal. You might ask, why should I have to pay the price for something that somebody else did? Well, we have to watch this line of thinking because, honestly, it's, it's a victim mentality. It's a martyr mentality. And we can't heal when we're carrying this around with us. There's a bigger picture that may be hard to understand, but you need to be willing. You need to understand that those who abused you were very likely victims of abuse themselves because abuse is passed down through the ancestral lineage. The biblical term, sins of the father, refer to this dynamic that we must pay for the sins of the father, which really means the sins of the family lineage. It can be the father, mother, uncle, aunt, sister, brother, priest, nun, or school teacher. The abuse was passed down from the family lineage of the abuser, and you were simply at the wrong place 
at the wrong time, so to speak. Some will say, well, I didn't ask to be born, or I didn't ask to be born into this family. In some spiritual beliefs, it's said that you do ask to be born and in a particular family so that you can learn the lessons from the abuse that you go through or the experiences that you go through. Personally, I feel that this is a tough pill to swallow, and I don't often go into this exploration unless a client actually wants to go there. Personally, I believe spirituality is, a very, com- is very complex, and we can't possibly have all the answers or the bigger picture as to why we've come here and what our life lessons are. And I feel like it's a slap in the face if I've gone through a painfully abusive situation and I'm reeling in the pain of the aftermath and some spiritual wise-ass ask me, why did you choose this? Even if we come here for a spiritual reason, choose our parents, and signed up for the difficult lessons we're living, we still forget everything when we're born. We still pass through a veil of forgetfulness. And we don't have a clue why we're here on the most part. We still have to learn how to walk and talk like everybody else. And we're still confused and traumatized by abusive behavior. Asking somebody why they've chosen this right when they're in the midst of their suffering is just insensitive. I would rather ask someone, what can you learn from this experience? So it's turning that that tragedy, that trauma into an opportunity to learn something about yourself. And this makes a lot more sense. We can learn to do things differently now so we don't repeat our past. We can learn to say no to abuse, set healthy boundaries, learn to respect and value ourselves, and change the circumstances of our lives as a result. When we can truly learn from our mistakes, we won't repeat them. The issue so many of us have is that we are creatures of habit. Most of us struggle with addictions without even realizing that they are actually addictions because there's a lot of hidden addictions. You need to think of an addiction as a repeated habit or behavior that distract you from your deeper self, from your pain or your trauma. Our concept of love and romance may actually be habitual in a negative sort of way. We may be addicted to feeling a certain way, so we seek out that feeling. We may be addicted to that emotional adrenaline rush, the intense attention of the love bombing phase that comes with narcissistic abusers. We may be addicted to the chaos, drama, and intensity of a relationship. So think about it. If you're unconsciously addicted to any of these things, wouldn't it make sense you would keep choosing these kinds of dynamics so that you could have that feeling that you're addicted to? Have you been watching the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial? Do you find yourself picking a side? How many of you believe that one is guilty and the other is innocent? Or how many think that both of them are a wreck? From what's being portrayed in court, this was a super intense and abusive relationship. Some of the witnesses, as well as the stars of the show, focused 
on the love that they had as the reason that they tolerated abuse. They say we were in love. Witnesses say they were in love. Some witnesses said, I've never seen a couple so in love in the beginning. In the beginning, most of us know all about how amazing a relationship can feel. But what does it have to do with love, really? This couple may have believed they were in love, but they were lost in an illusion and like so many of us, unwilling to accept the truth. The relationship was clearly toxic. Johnny Depp is being portrayed as a drug addict, an alcoholic, a rageaholic, possibly a narcissist. Amber Heard is being portrayed as a borderline personality, a histrionic personality who is manipulative and also abusive. Although I watched some of it, it was a little too much for me. The toxicity in that relationship was insane. And the one question I have for each of them is if it was so bad, why did you stay? And I know that probably a lot of you got that question too. Why did you stay in it if it was so bad? And I've asked myself that question too. Why did I stay? And the common answer to that question is because I loved him or I loved her. But we need to understand that love doesn't do this. Love isn't toxic. It isn't abusive. It doesn't belittle the other. It doesn't hold the other back. We have two actors here and a whole lot of drama. At this point, it doesn't matter who's the victim and who's the perpetrator. Sometimes we just need to face the reality that maybe both are victims and maybe both are perpetrators because both were victimized in childhood. Both came from trauma. Both were self-abusive, and that abuse was likely projected onto the other. It sounded like Johnny Depp wanted to clean up and stop drinking and drugging, but he just didn't have the core inner strength, the self-love and the self-compassion to pull this off. So he kept slipping back into his self-destructive ways. He was probably so far gone so separated from his true self, his core wounds and beliefs, that he was trapped in his escapism. Maybe he hoped she could save him. But we all know how this goes. Amber Heard showed up as someone deathly afraid of abandonment, trying to get what she needed from someone who was not available to give it. So she was reacting from her own pain and fear. Like Johnny, probably so far removed from her deepest core wounds and looking to him to save her. Maybe some of you can identify with some of this drama. It's pretty painful, right? But in order for us to move out of these kinds of painful dynamics, we need to face the part of ourselves that believes that we are a victim and upgrade it to someone who is truly empowered. Because we cannot be victimized by someone. We can be victimized by someone, but we don't have to be stuck in a victim role. When we do, we victimize ourselves over and over again by allowing ourselves to be victimized. When you take an oath of self-love, you make a commitment to yourself that you will no longer allow yourself to be victimized. 
in each moment where you feel disempowered by someone else, you need to retreat and get really clear about your own part in this. Sometimes your own part is about the choice you made or a choice you need to make, or you need to communicate how you feel. Or if you're with a person who doesn't really care how you feel, you may need to make a choice to not be around that person anymore. If you don't like the way someone's treating you, you can make another choice right then and there. You don't have to stay in a friendship or a relationship where you're feeling victimized or your core wounds continue to be triggered over and over and over again. This is the case for any kind of relationship, including a business relationship. We should never agree to be part of a toxic environment even if we receive a nice paycheck. We really need to look out for ourselves. And it's important to consider our own needs for respect, kindness, consideration, safety, and security. We can choose to have relationships with people who we truly feel care about us and just let the rest go. We don't have to put ourselves in situations where someone isn't treating us right. We need to stop investing our precious life force energy trying to get someone else to see us, hear us, value us, respect us, or care about us. Taking care of our precious life force energy is our responsibility, and we need to tend to it. We need to be mindful of our own energy. I realized in my own life that I had an addiction to finding the right partner in my life. I was really always kind of searching and seeking. And that addiction caused me to find a whole lot of the wrong partners and try to make them the right partner. And this doesn't work. Maybe you've, maybe you've experienced the same kind of thing. It's important that we recognize this need within ourselves to find someone to make life easier for us. And sometimes having a partner in life can make life easier if it is someone who truly loves you, values you, and respects you. Because with a healthy partnership, you help each other and you work together. But when you find yourself in a... a, In an unhealthy or toxic partnership, it has the opposite effect. In the long run, toxic relationships destroy our self-worth and drain our life force energy. When you make a decision to commit to yourself instead of finding the right one, then you create a life that works well for you. If someone comes along to compliment your life, great, but your life isn't dependent on someone coming along to compliment it. You're creating your own amazing life. You're creating a life worth living. You're not letting the lack of a significant other in your life hold you back from creating an amazing life, from living your dreams. You're focusing your energy on being that amazing person that you had hoped to attract into your life. You discover that you're the one that you've been waiting for. I've known a lot of people who just couldn't be alone. Rather than examining why they can't be alone, they just hop from one bad relationship to another. 
And they may not even realize the relationships are bad because to them, it's normal to have chaos and drama in their relationships. For many, it's normal to be dependent, needy, and clingy on another individual. We see this with personality disordered people who always need to have a source of supply. To narcissists, the chaos and drama is normal for them. They just go from one to the next and kind of take that with them. But then they believe it's it's a normal part of having a relationship or that it's being created by the other person. You don't have to have a personality disorder to be dependent or needy. Codependents often need to be in a relationship too because they need to focus on someone else. Not to say all codependents are like this. There's a lot of different characteristics of codependency. Many codependents do find that once they break the chains of a previous relationship that they can manage on their own pretty well until the next alcoholic, drug addict, or personality disordered individual comes along. Then it becomes automatic to start with the caretaking, fixing, rehabilitating, etc. As a recovering codependent, it's important to recognize this and get into some type of recovery so that you don't subconsciously continue to choose the fixer-uppers in life. We can't fix others. We can only heal ourselves. And this is what the path to self-love is about. It's about focusing on the most important person in your life, you. Even if you're married or have children, you still need to be the most important person in your life because if you're not emotionally healthy, if you're not happy with your life, how are you going to be of value to anyone else? If you're a raging codependent, how do you think that will affect your partner or your children? We need to learn to choose ourselves first and then make wise choices about who we allow into our lives and who we keep in our lives. Self-love is an action step. It isn't necessarily a warm, fuzzy feeling that we have towards ourselves, but the actions that we take on our own behalf. Do you treat yourself well? Do you demand that others treat you well? Do you have good boundaries? Can you say no when you mean no? Can you recognize what abuse, gaslighting, and scapegoating look like and how it might be showing up in your life? Do you have a relationship with your inner child? Do you have good self-care? Do you eat right, exercise, get enough sleep? You take care of your home, take care of your spirituality, and manage your personal and professional life. Can you walk away from a toxic and unhealthy relationship even if you still love that person? Can you make your love for self more important than your love for a toxic individual in your life? Now, if you've said yes to most of these questions, you're well on your way to a self loving life. If you said no to most of these questions, there is work to be done. Speaking of work, I started working the 12-step program for codependency last October and just completed the 12th step this week. So I just finished 
and it was quite a journey, and I highly recommend it. In this past year, I've avoided intimate relationships and focused on myself and my own healing and recovery. The 12-step program was like a guidebook to take me deeper into my self-understanding and gave me tools to use in my daily life that I wasn't already using. I've noticed many of my clients are pretty resistant to getting involved in a 12-step program and avoid doing this kind of work. If you're one of these people, I would invite you to ask yourself, If you're noticing codependent behavior in yourself, why would you be resistant to joining a 12-step program for codependency? Is it because you'd have to truly admit that you have responsibility in your chain of bad relationships or unhealthy experiences? Would you have to let go of your belief that you're a victim? Or are you just afraid of doing that level of work and making that kind of commitment? When we commit to a path of self-love, we really need to commit to doing the hard work, to face our dragons, and look more deeply inward for the root cause of our discontent. I've been doing this most of my adult life, but just took it to the next level recently, which is why I wanted to write this book. It's my transitional book between my work with narcissistic abuse and my work on the path back to self. And ironically, the name of my LLC, my business, is The Path Back to Self. I knew many years ago that this was the direction that I was headed and that ultimately self-love and that relationship we have with ourself is the key to healing narcissistic abuse. And so I invite you to come along with me on this journey to know yourself, to embrace yourself, and find yourself worthy of loving. I want to thank you so much for listening today. And if you would like help on your journey to releasing the toxicity in your life, healing codependency, and recovering from unhealthy and narcissistic relationship dynamics, you can contact me through my websites, NarcissismFree.com and PathBackToSelf.com. If you would like to receive a free review copy of my book, just email me and I will provide you a free PDF review copy in exchange for an honest Amazon review at launch. So just get a hold of me at KaliaLaRoche at gmail.com and write review copy in the subject line. Have a great day, and I'll see you in the next podcast.